right. Hello. Good morning. Is it on? Is it coming out of those speakers? Yeah? All right. Very good. There we go. I'll just I'll help it out. I'll use a bigger voice. Is that screen in a good place for you all? It feels like it's kind of way over there, but can you, it works? You can see it? You don't need it moved? You, know, you can deal with it? Is that a good spot for you, Mark? Up close? <laughs> if you don't take notes, there's a big problem there. They're going to just... Some other people might have excuses, but not Mark and Amanda. You're going to get it. We're in the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. Go ahead and turn there. And uh, we've, been, we've been looking at, at our good friend Jonah. And by a, uh, a quick introduction or review of where we've been so far, if you haven't been with us through all of it, uh, if you're not familiar with Jonah, then uh, this will help you out. If you are familiar with Jonah and you haven't been with us, well, it's the same Jonah that you're familiar with from Sunday school way back in the day that was on the flannel graph. Uh, it's, it's the guy in the whale, yeah? So that's the general story. But we have Jonah, and as we looked at, he was a proven prophet. He had done the work of the Lord before we get to the book of Jonah. But now when we get to the book of Jonah and the word of the Lord comes to him, Jonah rebels. And we looked at Jonah's path. He goes the opposite direction that God has called him to do, to go. And now he's on a ship is where we left him. He's floating off to go uh, to, to not where God's instructed. You know, the Bible tells us exactly where he's going, but in reality, it doesn't matter because it's not where God instructed. Sometimes we think in our lives that, you know what, where I'm going, it's important and it matters. I'm going to this place or that place. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But it's not where God instructed. And that's the gist of it, is that you're just not going where God instructed, doing what God instructed to do. So, so we, find, we found out last time he's placing his life and the lives of many others in danger because he's on a ship and God brings a big storm. That storm, storm is taking Jonah down, no matter what. The only decision is how many people are going to go down with him. And that's how our rebellion oftentimes works. God will send circumstance that will be very difficult for us to ignore. And sometimes when we get in these messes, the only question really is, how many people are we going to take down with us before we decide to repent? And Jonah says, throw me overboard, and the sea will be calm unto you. And so uh, they do that. After a little uh, resistance, the sailors finally say, this is the only way. And they take Jonah, they toss him overboard, and immediately it said the sea becomes calm, and the sailors go, holy cow, that guy served the true God. And they begin to worship you get a pause there at the end of Jonah 1 where, where these guys just worship. Verse 16, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now, uh, this you know, should probably be the end of the story, right? Like the guy that was supposed to go and to do the work of the Lord uh, has rebelled, and he's been thrown in as a sacrifice into the sea to die. And, uh, you know, how, how, do, how do you get there? Here's a little insight. Give me this first verse. 
I just found that image online. I thought, man, that's, that kind of looks like Jonah. <laughs> Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man bringeth a snare. And that's where Jonah was, with the instruction that God had given him. It wasn't that he could trust the Lord, because that's the backside of the verse, but, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Jonah couldn't put his trust in the Lord. Instead, he was afraid of what men would do. And he said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and go my way. Well, that brings a snare. Now, you think about a snare. You think about a hook, a snare. You think about a fish. Like, fishes are the ones that, that we hook, but not in this case. It's the man that doesn't fear the Lord. That's what will bring a snare in your life. And so, um, I don't know, that looks scary for that guy. Apparently, that's a whale shark. Apparently, they don't like to eat people. They just have really big mouths and sometimes, occasionally, accidentally <laughs> swallow people a little bit and then spit them back out. There have been a number of cases of people ending up in a whale shark's mouth. But apparently, we smell bad and taste bad to a fish. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If you're ever around a whale shark, yeah, you'll be all right. But Jonah is proof of this verse, especially the first half. The fear of man, the fear of man brings a snare. And Jonah is proof of that. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. And we're going to see that in the back half of the book of Jonah with the Ninevites. Now, uh, in reality, this should be the end of the book. Jonah's dead. And it's going to end, if it were to end here, and that would make sense, it would end on a bit of a sour note for God's prophet Jonah, but also uh, in a position of rejoicing. Everyone on the ship just, got, just decided to follow the Lord. In fact, in verse 16, they're offering a sacrifice. What are they sacrificing? Hopefully not a cow. They've thrown everything else off the boat to light the load. Like, we're going to save these cows. Uh, maybe. Maybe they brought, they brought something along to sacrifice to their gods because they got animals on board. But now they're sacrificing that to the, to the true God. So it would be a mixed, a mixed bag of emotions if this were the end of the book. Foreshadowing. We're going to get to the actual end of the book. And we're going to be in the same emotional state. <laughs> or it's going to be a mixed bag. But isn't the end, this isn't the end of the book, though. Why is that? Why does the story of Jonah not end when he's pitched into the ocean to die? We'll read the last verse of the chapter. We just read verse 16. Let's read verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The book doesn't end here. The story doesn't end here because the Lord had prepared. That's what we want to start off looking at tonight, uh, this morning, wherever we're at. That's preacher talk. You just getting a preacher like tonight. <laughs> this is a morning service. I'm awake. Let's pray for God to guide us this morning. <laughs> Lord, guide us as we open your word this morning and be, and be with us and teach us and, and uh, show us how uh, you preserve Jonah in a mess. You preserve Jonah, and you can preserve us in a mess. God, you can preserve us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Lord had prepared, and this is one of the few, few great words of hope that's ever found in this book of Jonah, especially uh, you know, in relation to Jonah. Very, very little of what Jonah is going to do has is, is, is any hope in it. Now, these men just had a, a hopeful moment. Nineveh is going to have a hopeful moment, but here we hear the intervention of the Lord, and this is a true word of hope. The Lord had prepared. God went out 
of his way, if there is such a thing for an almighty. I don't know if anything's out of the way. But God goes and takes a moment to prepare something in advance so that it will be there and ready for Jonah. Now, actually, God does a lot of preparation in this book. When we get into chapter 4, uh, we'll see a few more times that God prepares. Four times in, this, in the book of Jonah, God specifically prepares. Here, in verse 117, he prepares. In Jonah chapter 4, in verse 6, God prepares a gourd. In Jonah 4, 7, God's going to prepare a worm. And in Jonah 4, 8, and it comes to pass that, that God prepared a vehement east wind. And all those will come in chapter 4. But God does a lot of preparing. Our God is a God who prepares. In this book, in the way he's going to interact with Jonah, and in the way he's going to interact with his creation, and the way he's going to interact even with the lost, God is a God who prepares. Now, the reality is that this is a really important point, because if God had not prepared for us, we would be without hope. We would be just like Jonah, sinking into the sea to our death, had God not in advance prepared something for us. So we see the providence of God in his preparation or even in his creation. When did God create? When did God prepare this whale? Or let's back way up. When did God create this whales generally? Day five. You go all the way back to creation day five, and this is when God created whales. When God created those whales, did he have Jonah in mind? Do you think, you know what? I need to make something with a really big mouth, so I'm going to have this guy. I'm going to have this rebel. He's going to end up in the ocean. 4,000 years from now, God's just thinking. He's like, okay, four, I, need, I need to put a whale in the water. Maybe. Maybe he's thinking about it all the way back there, which means we see 4,000 years in advance, approximately, the, the, the providence of God in his creation, in his preparation. God's doing the same thing in our life. We're going to miss it a lot if we're like Jonah and we're running and we're rebelling and we're doing our own thing. If, we're, if the fear of man is driving our life, then we're going to miss it. But, uh, it's, you know, it's like what we heard in testimony. Like Gigi said, if you look at the providence of God, you can look back and go, you know what, God prepared. I'm in a bad situation, but he might not even know about the cancer, and that's worse. And you'll hear about these weird situations, you know, where somebody will get in a car wreck and they break their arm and they got to go in and get an x-ray. And in the course of the x-ray, they go, oh, and by the way, you got this this thing, and oh, it's cancer, and good thing you had that broken arm, or we never would have known. We can take it out today. And you go, why on earth does, do these things happen? Because God prepares. Amen. God is a God who does uh, a bunch of preparing. In fact, we see, we're going to see you know, God preparing all over Scripture. But oftentimes, we depend on God's preparation to get us through a hard time or to, to sustain us. And sometimes we don't even recognize it. We don't even identify that this is God working things out for us. We may even see it as a hard time or as a, as, as a, as a curse. Can you imagine being that, that guy we just saw in that picture and turn around and see that thing coming at you? Ah, like Jonah, You're like I'm in the water. And then you say, oh, great, okay, I'm and now a big fish. Okay, uh, can I catch a break? And God's like, yes, that's what you just did. You don't realize it, you're going to sit here in the belly of a stinking fish. But that's your break. Because God prepared that for you. Now, here's our first key thought. Mature believers prepare now for future work. 
Because if our God, the Almighty, can take time to prepare things in advance, to make a plan, to look into the future, and to say, you know what, I'm going to need to do a little preparing, then we, who are called to be holy as he is holy, to follow after him, to, to model the, the character that he displayed for us, if he can do it, we, too, ought to be a people who are busy preparing. Preparation should be a part of our life. We talk about it often around here in, in the context of missions. Um, I credit Jeff Bartell. I don't know if he came up with it, but we're going to say he did. Jeff says that uh, a call to missions is a call to preparation. You've probably heard that. We say that a number of times around our mission conference. And that's very true. If God is calling you into work, that's a call to get ready. But often, what, what we, what the position that we need to be in right now and the position we need to recognize is that you're going to end up somewhere a year from now. No matter, unless you die, a year is going to pass. So we're all going to be sitting here in February 25, and you're going to be somewhere doing something. You're going to say, man, I wish I was somewhere else. And, and the reason you're not somewhere else is because you didn't take time to prepare for it. And you're going to be sitting there and say, I wish God was using me. I wish God was doing something with me. And God's going to say, well, I wish you were prepared. And oftentimes God is sitting there or Dell is sitting there or I'm sitting here and we're looking at you guys and we're saying, we've got so much that we want to do. We have so much that God is trying to accomplish and there's so much ministry. There's just nobody to call upon. Because nobody is being proactive and saying, God, I don't know what you have for me, but I know that whatever you have for me requires some growth. So I'm just going to start growing. I know that whatever you have for me requires some preparation. So I'm just going to start preparing. And you're going, well, I just want to prepare specifically for the work God has for me. Well, you're going to be a few years behind. Okay? I'll tell you how God wants you to prepare. If you're here, if you're part of this body, I know how God wants you to prepare. You go get discipled. That's your first step in preparation. And then you take foundations two, which is uh, you know, like discipleship two. Then you take foundations three. This is how everybody in, in, this, in this body gets prepared. Well, maybe God wants me to teach in kid time. Maybe he does. You know where that begins? Discipleship. <laughs> foundations one, foundations two. Maybe God wants me to go teach in the jail. Maybe he does. And you think, well, then I, I'm going to start with doing some push-ups and get real strong, learn some karate. No, it starts with... And you go, well, I've done that. God's not using me. Well, then take all of the intro to Bible classes. Cover the whole Bible with us in LFBI. Intro to Old Testament, intro to New Testament. There's four of them to get through the entire Bible. Well, then what? Take biblical counseling. Learn how to counsel. I don't know if God wants me to be a counselor. I could tell you if you're not prepared, he doesn't want you to be a counselor because he doesn't want you telling people stupid, okay? He doesn't want you handing out dumb advice. How come God never asked me? How come people never ask me for advice? Because God can't trust you. Now, I guarantee Facebook will ask you for advice. You'll find people that ask you for advice. But you know what God wants you to do? You get prepared. And then he can put you into some work. God is always at work. God is doing this all the time in Scripture. I'll give you a few examples. Psalms chapter 9 and verse 7. But the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment. That's yet to come. One day we'll all be before that throne in judgment. But it's already prepared and ready. 
Psalm 103.19, the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens. Same idea, his kingdom ruleth over all. Zephaniah 1.3, hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God. For the day of the Lord is at hand, for the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice. He hath bid his guest. John chapter 14, you're familiar with this one. Uh, the first few verses, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And what did Jesus say? I go to prepare a place for you. But if I go, I'll prepare a place for you. I'll come again, and I'll receive you unto myself, that I am that you may be also. So God is always preparing, and he's even preparing for you. And so, listen, we got to be a people that prepare. It is, it's my job, and it's Dell's job to help you get prepared. And if you're not taking advantage of us, if you, then you're blowing an opportunity. You should go to Dell. You should, you should say, I need to get prepared. What do I do next? And then you should take that really scary position that says, and then whatever he says, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Can you trust him? Can you trust your pastors? Can you trust that God has put men and women in your life that want to lead you and help you get prepared? Luke 1, 17, And he should go before him in the spirit and the power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is what God wants you to do. God wants to make ready a people that are prepared for the Lord. He wants to use you. He wants to put you in ministry just like a whale. Like, here's a whale that God just prepared. The whale was like, okay, Lord, whatever you say, I'll swallow this guy. You know he doesn't taste good, right? And God said, I know. Just deal with it. He'll only be there three days, and you can spit him out. Okay. Listen, but if he, if he is your Savior, if he is your Savior, that whale sounded like um, narwhal from... Elf. That was that voice. Remember the narwhal from Elf? <laughs> hey, Jonah. Not my first choice either. Okay. But if he's your, if he's your savior, you should be preparing for him. Exodus 15, 2. The Lord is my is my strength. And song, this is, this is Moses' song after a deliverance. And he has become my salvation. He is my God. And here's what, here's what Moses said. I will prepare him an habitation, a father's God, and I will exalt him. And this is what we should be doing. We should be preparing him a habitation, a place for the Lord to come and to dwell and to work and to work in us and to work through us. All right? So we have got to be preparing. And so that's what God does. And then it, it, it launches us right into chapter 2. Because God prepared, the book isn't over. And listen, because God prepared, your life isn't over. Because God prepared, your ministry isn't over. No matter what kind of boat you're in right now and the storm that you're in, and you may be sinking and you think we're about to die, it's all going downhill. Listen, because God prepared, you and the people that you know and the disasters that are out there, they can be reconciled. It's not over. But that takes us into chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried 
by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep, and in the midst of the sea, and the floods compassed me about, all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depths closed upon me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever, yet hast thou brought uh, up my life from this corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord, and the Lord spake unto the fish, and the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. So we're going to come back to chapter 2 again next time we meet together. Today I want to talk to you about just a couple practical things. Next time we'll come back and dig into some of this other stuff that's there, like gates and hell and bars and all and mountains and all of that. We'll talk about it more technically. But today, listen, Jonah prayed. So God prepared, but then Jonah prayed. And let me tell you something. There are moments in our life where the only, the only reason we even get to the point where we can pray is because God prepared. God prepared and he put you in a spot so that you could pray, so that you could call out. And this is, that's it. Jonah prays from the place that God had prepared for him. And it's a hard place. It's a stinky place. It's a bad place. But when Jonah ended up in that place, he recognized that all I have left to do is to pray, is to cry out. And this is our next key point. We need to become more accustomed to crying out. not Christian religious prayer. Not thank you, God, for this meal. Help us to sleep good tonight, prayer. But crying out to God. Because when, when our life gets messed up, shook up, it's a disaster, God's looking for people who would cry out to him. And he'll hear. That's what verse 2 said. I cried out, and you heard me. And thou heardest me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest me. You, your situation may be awful. You may be in a hard spot. And, and you know what? No matter where you're at, here's a guy in the, in the belly of a fish, in the belly of the ocean, and he, and he says, I'm in the belly of hell. And he cries out, and God heard Jonah. And God will hear you. But crying out's tough for a lot of us. Because I don't know, because we're because we're, we're men, or because we just you know we just get churchy, Christiany, and we just toss one up to the Lord. Hallelujah! And we're like, all right, God's got it. But oftentimes, God. God says, what? Do you really, you really want this? Why don't you try crying out? Jonah says in verse 4, Then said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again towards your temple. Listen, you're never too far out uh, of, of God's sight that he can't see you. Jonah's like, I think I'm out of your sight. And God's like, nope, gotcha. I know exactly where you're at. And you're never too far out of God's sight that you can't look to him again. 
God prepared so that you have the opportunity to look to him again. And if your life is a disaster and you're cast out of his sight, well, then the only thing that you have to do is, is to look to him again. Look towards the holy temple and cry out. And God had taken all the steps that he could take. In Jonah's life, and, and there's moments like this in our lives, and we say, God, I wish you would just do more. And God said, I did everything. I've taken every step that I can take. Everything is left in your hands. He's even done a miracle. He prepared a fish and had it go swallow him. That's pretty miraculous. There's like, I don't know, five stories of that happening in, in the history of man. All right? Pretty amazing thing. And God's doing that for you. He's, he's doing miracles. He's doing all this stuff. And you re rejected those and refused those. And, 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 and you're in the spot. And God says, well, the next step is yours. And that's a hard thing. Oftentimes, when we get to the place where the next step is yours, you're like, God, if you would just do something. God said, I did it all. I'm just waiting on you now. And God has preserved you, even in difficult situations, so that you can cry out to him. And we don't cry out uh, because we see the whale's belly that we're in, and we see it as a curse. And we're like, well, God must be against me. That whale's belly was a blessing. As bad as it was, the whale's belly was a blessing. Look at Isaiah 38, verses 10 to 14. Isaiah's crying out. And he, well, let's just read it. I said in the, in the cutting off of my days, I shall go to the gates of the grave. I am deprived of the residue of my years. I said, I shall not see the Lord, even the Lord in the land of the living. I shall behold man no more with the inhabitants of the world. Mine age is departed and is removed from me as a shepherd's tent. I have cut off, uh, I, yeah, I have cut off like a weaver's, weaver my, my life. He will cut me off with pending sickness from day even to night without make an end of me. I reckon till morning that as a lion, so uh, will he break all my bones from day even to night Wilt thou make an end of, my, of me? Like a crane or a swallow, so did I chatter. I did mourn as a dove. Mine eyes fail with looking upward. And here comes the prayer, and it's a really simple prayer. This is, this is the same prayer that Peter prayed when he was walking on the sea and begins to sink. Peter just says it even shorter. But here's the prayer. O oh Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. What a prayer. And how desperately and how often do we need that prayer? Lord, undertake for me. I'm in a spot, Lord. I'm crying out and I don't know what to do. God, undertake for me. You got to do it. And that was Isaiah's prayer and that was, that was Jonah's prayer and that has to be our prayer. Listen, God has done everything that he can, number one, to save you. He is a loving father. He is the sacrificial lamb. He is the resurrected Savior. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that's where it starts. You've got to know that he is the one who wants to save you from your sin, who wants to give you eternal life. Jonah said, I'm going down to hell. But when he cried out, he didn't have to. Jonah becomes a great picture of salvation for us. The loving God wants to save you. But listen, believer... There are moments where life is tough, where, where we get overwhelmed, where we get depressed, where we get emotional, where we get saddened, where we get 
uh, overcome by the events of this life. And God says, well, I wish you would have been preparing, but you didn't. Okay, well, let's do this. Let's cry out. God, undertake for me. That's our prayer. We're going to take the rest of the chapter and the rest of the time because I want to allow you guys to do a little work together. And I'm going to focus you in. Go to the next slide on a couple things. What do I need to prepare for? Might be one of the thoughts. Uh, how, do I, how do I take the next steps forward? Or what do I need to pray for? But as we jump down into verse 7, uh, when, I, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. So I want you to consider verse 7. How do we remember the Lord? How do we remember and declare what is true? This is important because we start to forget what's true and we let lies become our reality. Let's remember what's true about God and your situation and be honest about it. And then you get down into verse 8. For they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. We have to learn to reject lies and vanity. Mercy is hindered by the way that we observe the things around us, right? And Jesus said that. I couldn't do many mighty works here because you lacked faith, because the way you perceive things. Reject lies and vanity. So I want you guys to take, we got about, about 15 minutes. I want you guys to get in groups, and I want you specifically either to talk about what you need to prepare for or pray for, or you're going to come down to Jonah chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, and you're just going to start looking up some cross-references for that. Because there's a lot going on there when you start considering what's going on in those verses. And uh, make sure that you're, you're considering how to pray for one another and, and how to prepare for what comes next. Amen?